Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Wonderful, thank you guys. Hey, good morning everybody. You may be seated. It's so good to be in church this morning, so good to see you. Hey, if you don't know me, my name's Justin. I've just walked in, no, not really. I've been here a while. Hey guys, before we kick off, just a thought. Why don't you get your phones? What? Get your phones, and why don't you quickly text in there the name of one or two people maybe that you think you're going to invite next weekend. You know, we talk about it, we wave the flyers up, we say, do it, do it. But I want to challenge you, put it in your phone right now. I'm going to give you two minutes, one minute, 45 seconds, to write down maybe just one person, put it away, lock it away in your memory, lock it away in your phone, and when you go away from this place, this week, call them. This week, touch base, say, hey, come along, we're going we're gonna to be having some fun next weekend, come and connect with some people, just enjoy, have some time enjoying fellowship, just connection. It's a good thing, amen? All right. So, this morning I want to, um, want to kick off asking you a question, as I sometimes do, and that is, what are you building what are you building? If you, the life you're living right now, if you had to step out of that life, onto the sideline, look back into it, what kind of foundation would you find yourself building? And I ask that question because it's a significant question. The foundation that you build in your life will determine what God can build upon your life. So I want to introduce you to three characters this morning in the Bible that are hopefully going to help me preach this morning, amen? Amen. See, just like the builders that we read about in Matthew 7, 24, if your foundation that you're building in your life is unstable, if it's weak, if it's not dependable, if it's quick to change like sand, you'll find that it's very hard for God to build upon your life because when the storms come come against you in life, things happen, you find that what God's tried to build on you falls away on a foundation that can't hold it. But if your foundation is strong... If your foundation is stable, if your foundation is integrous, then you will find that whatever God wants to build upon it, it will remain. And it doesn't necessarily matter what comes against you in life or the ups and downs. The framework God has put on your life, it remains. You see, because the reality is that life can be uncertain. You know, we know that there are a lot of uncertainties in life that we deal with. Who knows, there are a lot of questions we don't have answers to, and a lot of us would love to see the big picture that is our life, but the reality is that very often we only ever see snippets or reels, if you like, of the movie that is our life, amen? And so it is for that very reason that it is so important for us to build a foundation that is strong, that is structurally sound, that is ready to accommodate what God would desire to pour into your life and mine, amen? And so what I want to say this morning is that there are really only two things that we build in our lives as we journey with God. We either build tabernacles or we build golden calves. And what do I mean by that? Well, a tabernacle by its definition is a place in which we house the Spirit of God. It's a place in which the Spirit of God comes to dwell. It's a structure in which you and I in our lives can encounter the divine, we encounter the supernatural, and we're touched and we're changed. A golden calf, on the other hand, speaks about idol worship. It speaks about replacing or substituting God. 
Often it's things that we build in our own lives through the skills and abilities that we have, but by the definition, an idol is something that we lift up over the knowledge of God. And where this comes problematic is when we begin to place our faith and our hopes and our dreams in them. You see, because what happens is when you place your faith and your hopes and your dreams in something, in the arms of something that is made of wood, it's made of stone, it's not alive, it's dead, over time you will find that your faith and your hopes and your dreams begin to die. Because the truth is this, the seeds of greatness that God places inside of you have been placed inside of you by a God that's alive. He's a living God. And so it's only through a living God that he can call them out from you Breathe life into them so that you can begin to live a life full of hope, that your faith begins to activate, that you actually begin to work, walk out the dreams God's placed in, you, in your life. Amen? And I, so it's really kind of important to understand that as creatures of our Creator, we are uh, genetically predisposed, if you will, to create. If you leave us alone long enough, sometimes long enough to overthink, sometimes long enough to doubt, sometimes long enough to wallow in things, sooner or later we will begin to create. And so what do I mean by that? Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about artistically create, I'm talking about how we find God in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and light was created. God created by the words that he spoke. And so you and I, as creatures of the creator, have the ability to create in our life, either good or bad, by the words that we speak, amen? And so the foundation that we build and the structures that we build are built through the words we speak, through the choices that we make, through the friendships that we hold, amen? And through ultimately the things that we choose to pursue in our life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. We're gonna kick off at verse one and it says this. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters. Bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which are in their ears, brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hands, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. So here is Israel that all of a sudden have gone from purpose. They've walked out of Egypt, they've walked into the desert, and they're walking to the promises of God, the promised land. They kind of were following something, and they were following someone out of where they were going to where they were going, and they kind of knew exactly what was happening in their world. You know, by day we walk, we set up camp in the evening, the next morning we pack up camp and we continue to walk following Moses on toward the promises of God. That is what we do. Now all of a sudden they find themselves in this passage of scripture at the bottom of Mount Sinai still. They're waiting. They're waiting and waiting and waiting without purpose really for Moses who's disappeared up Mount Sinai. It's been 40 days and so for Israel it must have seemed like well either Moses got lost somewhere on this mountain or he's died up the top of the mountain and he's left us at the bottom, we're in this desert, we don't know where we're going, we have no, no direction, we're probably gonna die out here because we don't know what comes next. And so they react out of that by saying, well, we better do something. And so they genetically dispose themselves to build something. And what do they build? They build themselves a golden calf. In the process of waiting without purpose, 
you have to understand that everything Israel understood about God, everything they had witnessed of God firsthand, God delivering them out of slavery, taking them through the Red Sea, miraculously providing for them, everything he did to present himself as a living real God was automatically forgotten about in a season where they were waiting with no purpose, waiting at the bottom of this, this mountain. So what do they do in that place? They say, well, we better build something to replace Moses, replace God, that's going to hopefully give us direction. We better commit into something. So we're going to commit into something that we've built. Hopefully, it's going to lead us on and take us on. It goes on to say in that passage, they said, um, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early in the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought these peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And so this is my point. What is your focus? Because what consumes your focus will determine what you build in your life. You see, when Moses walked out of Egypt, he was following God. When Israel walked out of Egypt, they were following Moses. And I want you to hear what I'm saying here, church. When Moses walked out of Egypt, he was following a God. That meant through every miracle, every encounter, every outpouring, every divine word spoken from heaven, for Moses, it was about God. And so he reacts out of that place with God of what does he do? He builds a tabernacle. He builds a place in which the Spirit of God can come and dwell with him, that he can enter into and connect with the presence of God, where he receives revelation, where he receives divine connection, where God gives him direction in where to go and what to do. Israel walked out of Egypt following Moses, which meant that through every miracle, every outpouring from God, every divine word spoken for them, their eyes were still on Moses. But now Moses has gone up a hill, so what do they do? Out of that place, they build themselves a golden calf. They build themselves something to replace that which they thought was their deliverer, which was Moses, not God. They commit to following something else besides God. They decide to follow a golden calf. You see, you've got to understand that for the most part for Israel, it was never about following God out of slavery. It was about following a man. Now, what happens is that when you put your provision and your hope in something else besides God, when that thing decides to disappear, you react by building something else to replace that you were looking at, hoping that that's going to continue to provide in your life. And what happens is you begin to rely on what you have on you to build your life rather than who is actually in you to build your life. Amen? So I want to, I want to fast forward, if we can, a little bit to... Um, to Judges 6.11. And I want to talk a little bit, little bit there about, about what's going on. You see, when Israel gathered together with Aaron, he said, come make us gods that will go before us, they say something very interesting. They say, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Hang on a second. I want to ask you this question. Was it Moses that delivered them out of slavery? Was it Moses that brought the plagues? Was it Moses that, that parted the Red Sea? Did Moses provide manna for them? Did Moses guide them by day with a pillar of fire or by night, uh, by day by, by cloud, night by fire? Was it Moses who did that? No, it wasn't. So what happened? What happened to skew Israel's focus? What happened was that God, out of his grace and mercy, sent a deliverer into Egypt to deliver his people 
the problem was that the people started following the provision rather than that who provided, amen? So come with me to Gideon. We're gonna talk about Gideon really quickly. Judges 6.11. Gideon was a man who was selected by God to deliver his people out of oppression from the Midianites. And so God goes to Gideon, and where does God find him? God finds Gideon hiding away in a wine press, threshing wheat very quietly, hoping that he doesn't draw attention to what he's doing from the Midianite armies that were oppressing them, mainly by stealing their provisions, stealing what they were growing. But God encounters him anyway, and he speaks to Gideon out of a place of seeing what is in Gideon's life. He says, Gideon, be of good cheer. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I have called you for a purpose, and out of that purpose you have a name, O mighty man of valor. But Gideon has been living under under oppression with his people for quite a while. And so he responds to God, and the speech and the nature of what he says confirms how he's feeling on the inside. He says, God, hang on a second. That's kind of weird that you'd say that, because really I am the least of the least. Not even just in my family, but I'm the least of the least in my tribe. For so long we've been living under oppression. Once I thought, you know what, God, you probably could have delivered us, but now I'm not so sure. And so what has happened is that him, Gideon and his family and the people of Israel had started living under the idolization of a God called Baal. Baal had been built and erected in Gideon's father's house, and they were worshiping, worshiping him. And it's interesting when you research Baal, why people worshiped him. God was considered mainly a God of fertility, but first and foremost, a God who would bring crops forth from the ground and then for people to to bear children and why is that significant because here is the people of Israel God's people living under an oppression that is stealing their provision that lost hope in their God so they started to worship and build something up in their life that hopefully was going to continue to provide that provision for them they'd lost sight of God and so the first thing God has to do to help Gideon realize who he is what he's actually being called to and to release Gideon into his purpose. He says in verse 25, he says this, he says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. And so God is saying, Gideon, I understand what you're saying, but in order for me to shift you out of your circumstances, in order for me to relocate you, to position you for what I've called you to do, you've got to go and tear down that altar of Baal. And not just tear it down, but upon it, you then need to erect an altar to me and begin to worship me. And so what am I saying? I'm saying, Gideon, you need to shift your focus. Gideon, the time has come for you to do what I've called you to do, but in order to do that, you've got to shift your focus. You've got to tear down the thing that's taking up room in your life. You've got to build an altar to me and lift your eyes and focus on me. Take your eyes off your circumstances. Take your eyes off empty promises. Take your eyes off substitution in your life. Take your eyes off empty dreams. Focus on me and remember who I am. I am a God by nature who delivered your people out of slavery. If you will focus on me and look at me and you remind yourself of who I am, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to remind you of who I am in your life. I'm a God that brings deliverance. I'm a God that brings salvation. I'm a God that will call you into that which I have for you. 
But Gideon, you've got to tear down that altar and you've got to build an, a, an altar to me that I will build upon your life that says you're no longer the least of the least. But now you're a man of valor who's been called by me to release my people out of oppression. Amen? Church, I want to tell you today is a day to pull down every idol that's taking up space, valuable real estate in your life. Today is a day for you to pull down everything that you have gotten used to living beside you. I want you to determine today that you're going to stop building golden calves in your world and begin to build tabernacles. Begin to build a place where God doesn't just pass over you, but he comes to dwell. He comes to rest. He comes to sit himself upon your life and say, you know what, I don't need to go anywhere because you've built me a tabernacle. I can stay. Church, I want to tell you, don't be content in life to experience God from the outer court or the sideline of life. Build a life that will connect you into the holy of holies with God. Amen? All right. So I want to shift you again and talk a little bit about the last character in the Bible when we consider, well, what is the substance of godly building? You know, we're talking about building your life for God, but what is the substance? How does that look? And so I want us to go back to Genesis, and I want us to, for a moment, consider Noah. I love Noah. Noah's one of the, the, my best, my favorite people in the Bible. Genesis 6, 11 says this, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and outside with pitch. Notice how God comes to Noah with a plan. He says, Noah, had enough. Earth's wicked, full of sin. It's really grieving my heart that I made these people in the first place. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start over. I'm wiping out every living, breathing thing from the face of the earth. I'm sending a flood. Noah, go make me an ark. Now, you've got to understand, Noah's never seen rain before, all right? He can't, he can't comprehend what water covering the earth looks like, never mind a massive flood, because at that time, up until that time, God had watered the earth by sending up a fine mist from the ground that, that watered the earth, all right? So straight away, God connects with, with, with Noah, and there's this gap between what Noah understands and what God understands, what Noah's thinking and what God, God is planning, and if I could sum up the Christian life, built well for God, it's learning to live comfortable with the fact that there's always this gap in your world between what you're thinking and what God is planning. And the only way that we reconcile that gap in our lives is through faith. Through faith to say, God, I don't understand it. Father, I'm not sure how you're going to bring it to pass, but I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. So all I can do is do what you've asked me to do, and that is to build a life for you. Amen? In Jesus' name. You see, Noah, you've got to understand, Noah didn't, didn't, didn't need to understand the plan. God didn't come with the plan to Noah and say, Noah, could you just proofread this for me? Could you just cover over all the technicalities and make sure it's good, work out the logistics before we go ahead and execute it? He said, Noah, I've got a plan. You build me an ark. This is what I'm going to do. Will you do that in your life? And I love how Noah responds in Genesis 6.22. Thus, it says, thus Noah did. According to all God commanded him, so he did. And if there's an underlying theme that you can tag to the Christian life, it's that sometimes you just got to get your Nike on and just do it. Amen? Just do it. Sometimes you just got to do what God asks you to do. As I said, God, I don't understand it. I'm not sure how you're actually going to work it out. 
but I'm committed to it. I'm buying into it because you've asked it of me. You see, faith is that underlying characteristic of building a life for God that we all need because you cannot see the outcome. You can't always anticipate the next move of God in your life. You can't always be in divine sync timing with the Father. As I said, all you can do is what God asks of you, and that is to build. Amen? And you know, that is why God loves the faithful heart in people. You know, it's because they don't have it all together. They don't see necessarily what's going on, but they focus and their trust is in Him. And because their focus and their trust is in Him, they keep building understanding this, that the season and time will come in your life where what you have been building for God as He pours out His Spirit upon you, as He opens heaven upon your world, everything that you've built will eventually come into alignment with what God's doing in your world. But you just gotta be faithful to keep building. See, and just like that ark taking form on dry ground, you know, sometimes when you're building for God, it's a bit awkward. Sometimes it looks a bit heavy. Sometimes it seems out of place and immobile to the direction your life wants to take you, but God's asking you to build this. But I want to encourage you, the reason for that is because it's sealed by the power and grace of God. That it's only as God opens heaven, pours his spirit upon you, anoints you, anoints the foundation that you're building, anoints the structure that you're building, that something connects and comes alive in your life. That though you go through the hard yards of building against the culture of society and the culture of a world that says we reject God, we reject Jesus and everything he stands for, and you're building against that, but I'm telling you the time comes where God will release you in that, and that which you've built that seems so awkward begins to rise up on waters and do what it's actually supposed to do. Amen? In Jesus' name. And it's kind of like this. It's like I don't know how many of you have actually seen an Airbus A380. Man, those things are massive. From an onlooker looking in, when this thing's on the ground, it's incredibly heavy. It weighs something like 500 tons. It's, you would never think that it could do what it's been designed to do, and that is fly, until power is released into the turbines. Soon the plane starts to come alive. All of a sudden, it begins to generate thrust. There's momentum behind its engines. There's life that goes into the wings as the pilots flick on the switches. And it's not until you see this amazing thing come flying down the runway and almost miraculously be launched into the air, that, that moment you begin to appreciate the brilliance of a designer who's created something that was designed to fly. Amen? And so I want to, I want to say this to you. I want to say don't despise the days of building on dry ground when your purpose seems so far removed from God's, when what you are building sometimes seems so inadequate for what God's asked of you. Amen? Because... We've got to understand as Christians that it takes work and it takes effort and it takes diligence to build consistently for God, to make the choices to daily find yourself in front of God, find yourself in His Word, find yourself in prayer, that you've got to make choices sometimes in your life to lift yourself out of being fatigued, to pull yourself out of just being weary which is sometimes what life is and say God you know what today's a day you're going to find me regardless in your house praising the name that is above every other name not because I necessarily feel I can do it but that's because you've asked me to do it and guess what my eyes are on you God so I do it you know sometimes it takes work when people hurt you when people disappoint you to continue to love continue to extend grace Continue to walk with people that are struggling maybe in their walk with Christ. 
when life just keeps giving you those uppercuts, one after the other, one after the other, it takes work and effort to come home and still be a loving husband and a loving wife, to exercise grace and patience with your children and simply spend time with them for the fact that you're just spending time with them. And so my next point I want to tell you is that building a life for God is one where you have to, at some point, count a cost. Luke 14, 28 says this. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. You know, one of the greatest tragedies, really, that I, I see in Christian lives is Christians who are never able to finish. Churches that close their doors. Leaders that were once so full of faith and hope and purpose with such conviction falling far before the finish line in life. Yep. Who you are, what you do, where you're going, and how well you want to get there will determine how well you're prepared to build in your life. And how well you're prepared to build in your life will depend on, at some time or another, how well you're prepared to count the cost. Amen? I want to I wanna kind of paint some pictures because that's what I do and explain it a bit like this. He said, you might be dreaming of reaching the stars, but if you don't build a rocket ship strong enough, the higher it climbs, the hotter it gets until the point comes where the heat's too extreme, that rocket ship's going to break apart, fall open and fall back to earth. You might dream of getting into outer space, but if all you are building is a paper aeroplane in your life, you're only ever going to get so high off the ground because that paper plane within itself does not have what it takes to get into space. And God knows that, and the Scripture says God will never give you anything in your life you cannot handle. Amen? And let me paint another picture for you. You may, you may dream of reaching the deepest parts of the ocean to explore its treasures, to explore its secrets, but can I tell you, you will never get there if you're sitting on the surface in a tinny. Because a tinny does not have what it takes to get you to where you want to go. Am I right? In Jesus' name. And sometimes we get so frustrated with God because we expect God, God, why don't you just take me along for the ride? Why don't you just keep me out in the front of life? Why don't you just reveal to me the deepest parts of who you are? the deepest parts of your treasures, because I want to tell you, if you haven't first built a life and a foundation upon which God can build on and then take you, you're never going to get the upgrade from the paper airplane to the rocket ship. Yeah, you're never going to get the upgrade from the tinny to the deep sea submarine. The truth is this, church, that how high you want to go in Christ or how deep you want to push through in God will depend on how well you've built your life. Amen? In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to ask you what, are you, what are you building? What are you building? You know, I mentioned earlier that Israel was in a season of waiting for Moses at the bottom of Mount Sinai, not doing too much, lost in the desert. And I want to tell you this morning that there is a big difference between waiting without purpose and waiting with focus in your life. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Purposeful, focused waiting is as much a part of building your life as is prayer, as is worship, 
as is coming into the presence of God, as is serving, because you've got to understand the overall direction of your life as a Christian with God is that you would be moved forward. The Word says that we, as sons and daughters of the Most High, are continually being transformed from glory to glory into the image of God, being matured as we journey with God. So there's an undercurrent in your world that has to be taking you forward in the things of God. But the beauty of that is that as you come before God, you will find that there are cycles of journeying well with God. You see, we, we find there's periods where we come and we wait with purpose, focused on God. God, I'm here in the tabernacle of your courts. Come and speak to me. And as we encounter God in a place of focused waiting, we're strengthened in the inner man. We're strengthened in our spirit. And what that strength gives us is the ability to move forward. And as we move forward, God takes us up another level into a season where we wait again on God. God, I'm thank you for what you've done. I've slain some giants. I've had some breakthrough. I've come out the other side. Here I am, and I'm, I, my eyes are on you. As we do that, God strengthens our inner man again. He gives us a greater capacity to then move forward. And as we move forward, we come into another season of then, God, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. Strengthen me. And so we journey. Waiting, being strengthened, and moving forward exist in relationship with one another in the kingdom of God. They exist together. The problem is that when your life stops moving, when your life begins to stagnate, when you lose purpose and it's not moving, what happens on still water is that things begin to breed. The enemy allows, the enemy begins to breed on waters that are still in your life without purpose, without momentum, without movement, without focus. And what happens is we begin to experience spiritual fatigue. We begin to experience spiritual exhaustion become disillusioned like Israel was in the desert. And so we say, well, we can't be in this place anymore. We've got to do something. We'll build something. And nine times out of ten in church, can I tell you, you build an idol. Our focus is lost off God. See, so I would say, I would say this. Paul says to us this. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the price? Run in such a way that you may obtain the price. Run with purpose run with focus that you would be the first to get to the end and gain that prize. I want to say to you this morning, build your life that you would gain the prize. Amen. Great men, great women who have run that race, who have built their lives on faith, who have such a spiritual capacity inside of them, who fight, just always seem to be fighting that good fight of faith and overcoming, they do that on the back of lives that are built well. Amen. You see, because the truth is it's not enough just to know your call. It's not enough just to know that God is for you, not against you. But at some point when knowing becomes doing, your longevity in this life will depend on how well you build your life. Amen? Lozzie, or Lo can I get Zoe up maybe to play? That would be good. You know, just as, as, as we're coming, coming to a close, I'm just reminded, Easter's coming up next Sunday. Um, and for me, I think about Christ wrestling in the garden of Gethsemane. His focus was the cross. And it was amazing that his focus was so much on the will of the Father that as he wrestled with and struggled with the weight and intensity of the cup that was set before him, that the Bible says that he obeyed even unto death onto the cross. You see, there is power in the name of Jesus, not just because he's the Son of God, but because he was obedient even unto death on a cross that every spiritual principality, every spiritual power would be broken over your life and mine. Amen. You see, you've got to understand that the blood that came out of Christ came out of a body 
a life on which God built miracles. It was a life that was spotless. It was a life that was blameless. You know, from the very beginning, Jesus spent his whole life building the kingdom of God because why? He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Luke 14, he declares to his people, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus spent three years of his life building the kingdom of God in the face of great opposition, in the grace of people who thought he was so countercultural. He was crazy, he was a lunatic, he was a blasphemer, but he knew who he was. He knew where his focus was, so he continued to build for God. He continued to laugh, he continued to cry, he continued to heal, he continued to press in with people, sit down with sinners. He built a life so significant that we still talk about it 3,000 years later. Why don't we stand this morning? What are you building in your life? What are you building? You know, just as I was putting this message together, I felt like the Spirit of God just spoke in my heart. He said, Justin, there are people here who know what it's like to wait in a life without purpose, without focus, lost. There was a season where you were traveling well. You were walking forward. You knew where you were going. You knew what you were doing. But now all of a sudden, you've lost direction. You've lost purpose. God, where are you? What am I doing? And in the, in the interim of that, you've built around your life idols. And they're not necessarily bad things. I want to hear what I'm saying this morning. You've built things with sweat, tears, and blood. You've built things with your hands, with the gifts and abilities and talents that are on the inside of you. But what happens is these things have begun to grow and take up more and more room in your life. Where they were silent, you've given them a voice and now what you can hear in the back of your mind is that voice playing over and over and you can't get it out of your life. Church, I want to tell you this morning, today's the day that you would stand and pull down the idol. Today's the day that upon its ashes and the rubble, you would erect an altar to God and say, God, this morning, my focus is on you. I realign my life. I take it off what that says and I put it on what you say and who you are. Church, because I believe that if you will do that this morning, if you will stand and be courageous enough to pull down that idol, God is going to speak life back into your life. He's going to give you hope. He's going to cover over whatever has happened in your past, and He's going to give you focus and future for what lies ahead of you. Amen? In Jesus' name. And some of you are saying in your heart, Justin, you know what? I'd love to do that, but I just don't think I have it in me. I've been living with this thing for so long. It's by my side. It takes up so much room. It takes up so much of my time and energy. I don't have the strength to pull it down. Church, can I tell you, God does. God has the power to, but in a moment, pull down that thing that is speaking into your world that doesn't need to be there anymore. And I feel this morning that God would say, I want to release people. I want to release people. Enough is enough. For some of you, it's almost like you've been held to ransom by the enemy. You've got the spiritual blackmail going on inside. If you do this, I'm going to say this. If you step out, I'm going to reveal this. How could you even think of doing that when this is who you are? Church, I want to tell you this morning, now's the time, now's the moment to say, you know, enough is enough. No more living in fear. 
No more accepting the voices in my world. No more looking upon this idol. Today's the day it comes down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you this morning. You know, right now, God's just speaking into my ear. And there's people that are, as I'm saying this, you're wrestling on the inside and that idol's getting uncomfortable and it's starting to move and moan and groan and rub you up the wrong way and you're getting a bit irritated. Can I say that's God? That's God saying, if that is you this morning, you have a date with God. That is you this morning, you have a date with God. He wants to clear out the mess in your life. If that is you this morning, I want you to take a deep breath for me and I want you to come down the front. I want to stand with you. Pull down that idol. Don't be scared. Come down in Jesus' name. Today's the day you pull down that idol in Jesus' name. There are people right now wrestling with that in their heart of hearts. You've lived with it for too long. That voice has become too familiar in your life. I want to tell you, God is a God who can take away whatever that is in your world. In Jesus' name, if that is you this morning, don't let the Spirit of God pass you by in this moment. I want to stand with you. I want to declare today is a new day, whatever it is, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Church, today is a day to say enough is enough. You know, the Word of God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Maybe for some of you, you're going, Justin, this all sounds a bit, I don't know. I don't know about God. I don't know about Jesus. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's things in my world, but I'm not, I've never met Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to give you opportunity just as much to say, you know what? I want to accept Christ into my life. I know that things have gone down in my world, but I want to give, I want to give God a go. Church, can I tell you, you'll never look back. You will never look back. If that's you this morning, no one's looking around, I'd love you to say, Justin, can you just pray for me? Can you just pray for me? If that's you this morning, can you just really quickly just raise your hand? Raise your hand, Justin, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.